The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live. Turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. Eight minutes after eight. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Forum at Eight. Now, concerns abound that the digital revolution is upon us and that it could wipe out middle income and middle class jobs on an unprecedented scale. The fear of the technological advances of the fourth industrial revolution is that more than five million jobs could be lost in 15 major economies by the year 2020. But there are those who believe that such fears about technology destroying jobs are not new and that the world will have more jobs being created uh, rather than those being destroyed. Now, they believe that the technological advances of the fourth industrial revolution will improve certain aspects of the current systems of our lives. And here at home, for instance, various mining houses are job shedding as they opt to mechanize their operations. So on the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask, is South Africa ready? for the fourth industrial revolution. And uh, we joined in studio by Arthur Goldstack, who is Managing Director of Worldwide Works and Editor-in-Chief at Gadget. And uh, nice to have you in studio with us. It's great to be with you and good morning to the listeners. And of course, the lines are open 0891-104-208. And um, we'll also be joined by other guests later on as we move through the show. But uh, let us know what your views are. But Arthur, let me just start uh, by looking at, you know, what is stated at the moment. Um, If we look at the statistics, if we look at the time frames, um, more than five million jobs could be lod, could be shared in 15 major currencies and economies by 2020, including our own. Um, Is that alarmist or is that, you know, just about hitting the nail on the head? In one sense, it's alarmist to suggest that the impact, for example, of robotics, because that's what they often talk about, that the impact of robotics will be felt so soon. That won't be felt so soon. But in terms of technology resulting in job losses because of the changes in the way businesses operate, in the way production happens, in the way mining uh, is now conducted, and in the way banking, for example, is beginning uh, to evolve, that's already been with us. And in fact, uh, it, it feels a lot like the, uh, like we've gone back to the 19th century in terms of the argument. Um, just to, to give you a, a quick, very quick history lesson, I hope it's not uh, too boring, but when uh, the Industrial Revolution uh, started um, in the 19th century, you had the English textile workers um, going on rampages against factories and machines to uh, destroy them. They were called Luddites. And today, people might know the word Luddite as someone who is anti-technology, but that's exactly what they were uh, 200 years ago. And uh, we, it almost feels like we're back in the era of the Luddites who are trying to hold back technology advances because of uh, job losses and because of changes in the way that uh, they uh, have to operate. But it's absolutely the case that the world is moving on very fast. It is the equivalent to the Industrial Revolution of the early 1800s. And if we don't get to grips with it, then um, all those who don't get to grips with it are going to be left very far behind. And that includes national economies. And that includes where South Africa is right now. We actually have been falling behind dramatically for uh, the last decade or so. Should we be worried? We should be worried because we're not doing anything about it. If we were doing something about it, then we could be optimistic. But it's got to change from the basic education level. And uh, one, of the, one of the cliches about education is that the education system we have today was, is actually founded on the way schools were structured in the late 1800s to prepare uh, the workforce 
for this new industrialized economy. And you had to find your place in the production line economy, in the uh, economy of machines and factories. And there was no room for creativity or individuality in that. And that's how our education system still functions today, based on how it was formulated more than 100 years ago. So that has to change dramatically and radically. How do you change that dramatically and radically when um, you obviously then will have to start with your teachers, retraining them in order to cope with the demands that you are now uh, setting out for them as per this fourth industrial revolution? On the one hand, I agree that it's a massive challenge, that we don't have the resources to train the level of teachers we need, we need for this revolution overnight. But on the other hand, we have to start. The longer we wait to start, the more we fall behind and the more impossible it becomes to address this task. If we simply throw our hands up and say, it's too much, we can't do it, then we simply don't begin to do it. We have to begin to do it. Let me ask you about what uh, MEC for Education in Gauteng, Panyazali Sufi, did this year. And th- there's been a lot of criticism. You know, there are a lot of skeptics out there uh, when he decided that the classrooms in Gauteng would go digital. And w- what's been your take on that? I'm skeptical about classrooms going digital for the sake of going digital. It's not about the classrooms going digital. It's about new ways of teaching. It's about new ways of learning. And it's about new ways of preparing ourselves for this future that's arriving very fast. So, <clears throat> excuse me, for example, um, w- uh, one of the skills that all these specialists believe will be required in the 21st uh, century is um, problem solving and another is collaboration. So that means at the heart of the education system, we need to focus on problem solving and um, the ability to, col- uh, to collaborate. So that should be built into the curriculum. Before we even look at what tools we use, the tools we use, like digital um, products, like putting laptops in schools or uh, tablets in schools, those are just the tools. It still comes down to the intention of the education and the, f- the, the system of education. Um, by simply throwing uh, digital at it, you don't solve the problem. And um, the mind starts to race about, you know, as you say, it's, it's throwing the tools at the problem, but uh, we don't even, uh, for the most part, develop any of those tools that we ultimately end up using um, from scratch, that is. Uh, and, and I want to bring in a loan sharp here. Uh, he is Director of Economics at uh, Profit, Profit Analytics. Loan, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Now... One of the other concerns around this fourth industrial revolution is that in a country that already has a high unemployment rate, um, this could further exacerbate the problem. Well, uh, the technological revolution we're seeing around the world uh, creates opportunities uh, as well as challenges. Uh, So in the 1970s, when... Uh, ATMs were introduced uh, in the United States. Tellers uh, and banking unions were up in arms about the potential job losses. But in fact, uh, uh, it created an opportunity, ATMs, because uh, for each ATM they had to have two people, a custodian uh, as well as someone who uh, filled up uh, and counted the banknotes. Um, But, of course, uh, technologically oriented jobs uh, are of a much higher skill level. Uh, So in South Africa, for example, over the last 20 years, 
uh, employment in low-skilled occupations like farming have uh, dropped from 2.1 million to about 600,000, and that's in agriculture alone. Um, and in mining, uh, employment has dropped from 1.4 million to about 500,000. Um, what's interesting is that uh, uh, mining and agriculture have doubled their production over the period, even they're using substantially um, fewer workers. So, so yes, there are there are calamities in store for people who have less skills, and there are great opportunities for people who have more skills. Um, the economy has created over the last 20 years about four million jobs uh, in banking. Uh, insurance, uh, real estate, uh, retail and wholesale trade. So uh, there's been a dramatic adjustment, um, not only in South Africa but around the world, away from low-skilled jobs toward high-skilled jobs. Uh, and the problem that arises is our education system's not preparing people for the world of work. Um, you know, people are leaving school uh, with uh, very limited um, uh, knowledge uh, of uh, computers uh, in, in of themselves, um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, we, we've got a big problem, especially mm. in teachers' unions. Uh, the teachers' unions oppose um, technological innovation, which is why the Fatin uh, Ministry of Education's idea of introducing tablets in schools has just stalled. Um, the teachers feel at risk um, uh, of being overtaken uh, by these uh, new technologies. So, so we've already seen it. You know, it's not something of the future. Mm. Uh, it's already happened. But if we think about it, um, and, and, and given the stats that you've put on the table in uh, the various sectors, agriculture, um, you talk about mining and what is happening there, uh, and then children who are leaving school, as you say, not adequately prepared for the workplace, but those are the ones who actually complete uh, their schooling careers. What about those who don't? I mean, how is South Africa going to mitigate for uh, the job losses that are already occurring that could intensify? So we, at the moment, have four and a half million people unemployed, and we have a further two and a half million uh, who we don't count as unemployed because they've given up hope of finding work. Uh, so we're looking at about uh, 7 million people uh, who have been written off uh, in one way or another. Um, these are people who will just never join uh, the workforce and they are a lost generation. And we see uh, in changes in the political environment and the emergence of radical new populist uh, political parties, those are a consequence of, um, of a huge amount of dejection and disappointment uh, of people who cannot find work. It's, of course, entirely logical and natural uh, if people who have no prospects of finding work uh, just drop out of the schooling system. Uh, but there is there's plenty of demand. Uh, I mean, there are 159,000 vacancies. Uh, in the private sector at the moment. Uh, about half of those vacancies uh, are in management and the other half are in the regulated professions like law and engineering and medicine and finance and, and so on. 
So the economy has a desperate uh, shortage of skill. Uh, these vacancies could be filled immediately if only the skills were available. <coughs> but uh, the big catastrophe is uh, our education system, which is not preparing sufficient quantities of people for those jobs. And that is the million-dollar question, isn't it, Arthur? So, 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 what do we do? Looking at what Minister Ibrahim Patel says, he says that new technology is not value-neutral because it could increase inequality if not harnessed to address the social needs of developing economies, which, at the very heart of it, you know, will place education in order to give people um, a hand up, as it were, into the right direction. There's no question about it, but it has to start with uh, government as a whole absorbing and integrating the idea that this is the future. There seems to be a mindset that has taken hold over the past decade or so that broadband and the Internet, for example, are luxuries. Uh, They're for the privileged, and therefore there doesn't have to be a focus on advancing that area. No one actually says that, but it's the sense one gets underlying a a lot of what he said and what isn't said. There's a kind of hidden subtext that says uh, this is stuff that's um, for the wealthy. Instead of recognizing that that is the underpinning of this new economy, uh, bringing people into this uh, broadband environment is part of what will prepare them for this future. By keeping them out of it, by ensuring that that whole sector is held back and keeping uh, half the population in effect out of that uh, environment, you're also limiting their ability to come to grips with this future uh, that's arriving. And that applies uh, down to school level as well. Every school in the country should be a broadband school. And I know it's easy to say, Mm. uh, where do the resources come from? But we tend to find the resources when we talk, for example, a nuclear power plant that's going to cost a trillion uh, rand. If you have that kind of money for a nuclear power plant, then you surely could rethink your priorities and allocate a, a fraction of that to these issues and you could actually um, address these issues effectively because you've shown that you actually have the money to do it. Well, we're asking this morning, is South Africa ready for the fourth industrial revolution? 0891104208 in conversation with Lone Sharp and Arthur Goldstack. What are your issues around this? Uh, Let's speak to KGM in Cape Town. Good morning. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your guests. Yes, KGM? Yes, Sakina, a quick one. I think this is a, an opportunity if you look at it in many aspects. Um, it's a pity that as, as South Africans and main, mainly as, as Africans, we, we seem to be wanting to uh, adhere to this gullibility that we have been known for, for for many years by the world. We seem to be happy to become the labor force of the world by just uh, consuming what they give to us. The opportunity is here. One, we need leadership. Leadership needs to look into us as a country and say, what do we need in this case? And I'll give you an example of the digital world, for instance. America said to everybody in the so-called developed countries, let's go digital. But when you look at America, they are still using analog. That's just one example. And lastly, our leadership needs to, to, to talk to our socioeconomic uh, needs and requirements. We cannot just rush to say, let's prepare ourselves, as, as some of your panelists are, are saying. 
let's prepare ourselves for, for this uh, uh, world development, whereas the, that world development is at our disadvantage. How about creating our own set of economy? Look at what Japan did. Japan has a unique economic system today. Look at what uh, India did. Look at what uh, China did. China today is the second largest economy in the world. When China started with their own philosophy, the world was crying foul. Today, the world is listening to China. So I think we need to look into what is unique for us as a country. Are you therefore saying that we should consider that um, in the absence of this fourth industrial technology? Yes, absolutely. I think we can offer the alternative. If we prepare ourselves now and stop producing uh, a labor force that is going to be dependent on work, we can, we can do away with it and, and create our own system that the world can look into us and say, in the absence of this forced economy, <coughs> there is an alternative and it's working in South Africa. As opposed to us saying the world is doing this, the world can say South Africa is doing that. I'm assuming you've thought about this a little bit. So, so, so give us an example. What exactly do you mean? I mean, in, in this case, Sakina, um, and I, I don't, I don't sort to, to advertise what I do, but I, our system, our, our business, one of the business models we use, we employ three people per uh, area of, of employment. Now, if we, we have a system, I, I've, I've been to China, and I mean, this is, we're talking about this, this is getting implemented in other, in other parts of the world. You'll have a system that replaces those three employees with one. Now, that's two jobs, uh, job losses there. How do we sustain those jobs? Because if you if you you buy that equipment that is going to to get rid of those two employees, you're creating that problem of an unemployment, and it's not just unemployment. You're also looking at crime, corruption, and the likes. Now, if if we say sustaining uh, sustaining this uh, old so-called old system, it will create so many job opportunities. Why not create that economy and that industry and harness from that? as the labor that will be required by the country. Now, this four and a half million, it's just a, 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 a calculated number. We, we have a huge unemployment, more than four and a half. And in fact, the figures that I have are looking at 11 and a half. Okay. Now, got you there, uh, KGM, and we'll try to respond to that. Kifilwe in Joburg, good morning. Hi, Sakina, how are you? Good, and you? I'm great, thanks. Uh, I think for me, it's one, you know, this, term called industrialization. I don't understand what does this mean. Can people break it down into pieces? What is industrialization? So that the men in the street will understand what is it when they talk about industrialization. But my second point is there has always been a suggestion that yes we will lose jobs but the sugar canes must be used for, for energy because sugar is another problem. Sugar is poison. And government, I am sorry, is not telling our people that sugar is poison. And professionals know that. Now someone was saying, let's take all those, uh, 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 whatever, where they make sugar, those farms, mm-hmm. use those farms for energy. But we must grow beehives. We must start using honey, raw, raw honey, because we will still create employment. But Hewlett will have to suffer because sugar is poison. Okay. Those industries must be used for energy. And then we must grow 
raw, raw honey from the bees. So we don't have long queues of bokoko who are suffering from diabetes and hypertension because of this sugar. And government is not even addressing that. And then they will tell you they've got long queues at the clinics. They've got long queues because of Hewlett. All right. Uh, Gifilwe got you there, and then I'll try to, you know, uh, phrase that uh, in a certain way so that we can get to the bottom of where that is going. Haley in Johannesburg. Hi, ma'am, to you and to your guests. Look, uh, what I really support the technology. Today, the advancement in, in the world, in Africa, 21, uh, 21st century, what we see the technology from electronical and the, from, you know, flights, the aeroplane and the computer and the, all the equipment of the technology equipment when we see it in the uh, primitive uh, world. So it changes the life of people. If, for example, from one country to another country, they send a messenger to just pass the message, but we use it in one second now on the air. But what's happening if they've got new technology we didn't, we didn't face this kind of industrial revolution like uh, sometimes in South Africa, Marikana tragedy or, you know, the mining strike which crippled the economy of South Africa. And we don't have that. It can enhance and uh, develop the economy of the one nation. Now, the global competitiveness of the each and every country, especially the industrialized nation, when you deeply see the United States of America as an example, they are having the research on the Mars and the other planets, you know. They invest more for a technology. But we Africans, you know, we have a lot of enormous resource, but we are not using our resource and our minerals because of the lack of the technology. The industrial machine, of course, is going to replace. Millions of the people can lose their job. For the replacing of the job, we need to create something else. But also, the machine is very important. We must replace to... Uh, to exploit our minerals. Otherwise, somebody is going to exploit with their own machine. So we need to think into that there is advantage and the disadvantage about this equipment. So we cannot let the technology not to come into Africa. We must invite it to Africa. We cannot be negative. Even in the school, look at now. Especially we have a problem with the mathematics. If we have a, if a computerized, in a, you know, on the computer, on a TV, each and every house, if you set up the time and the government and SAVC channel, this is a maths channel from each and every class. So it can in- develop the children's mind. They can watch this maths. They can watch this education. And instead of watching of drama or you know, 7-11, what if so many kind of drama? So, but I'm not interested into dramas. What okay. I'm very much interested into the technology. Without technology, we cannot go anywhere. Very interesting, you know, what uh, Haley is raising as compared to what Kifilwe is raising. Uh, but we'll discuss all of that when we come back from the news break. The Forum at 8 with Sakina Kamwendo on AM Live, turning the spotlight on the big issues and the people behind them. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we ask, is South Africa ready for the fourth industrial revolution? And I suspect that nobody cares whether we're ready or not. We're just going to have to find a way to get with the program. And we're in conversation this morning with Arthur Goldstack, who's Managing Director of Worldwide Works and Editor-in-Chief at Gadget, and also Loan Sharp, Director of Econ- uh, Economics at uh, Profit Analytics. And uh, before I get you to respond to the calls we took before the break, um, we still have Yaj on the line. Yaj Thank you for your patience waiting through that news break. Uh, what did you want to share with us? Uh, morning, Sakina. 
You know, this fourth industrial revolution will definitely exacerbate, uh, you know, unemployment situation even in the developed economies. So our unemployment crisis is likely to get worse. However, you know, this technology, please, if managed correctly, can be of huge benefit to to the to society as a whole. But it will require a restructuring of work, economic systems, our tax systems, social security systems. For example, you know, if we want to, uh, you know, employ people, we'll have to consider job sharing, reducing the working week so more people can employ it. But then how do you support, you know, the uh, drop in income? You'll have to consider universal basic income. Secondly, you know, you can... If you look at uh, the emergence of blockchain technology and cryptocurrencies, even banks, the function of banks is under threat at the moment. But this blockchain technology can be used to fund a parallel currency and a public banking system in this country to fund the basic income and can be used to put our low-skilled people to work. There's lots of work to be done in this country, constructing basic houses, uh, renewable energy, putting up solar water heaters, the public sector can do that if they have a public banking system using this modern technology. And, you know, we can also look at changing the way taxation is done in this country. We can do away with income tax and VAT. You can have a, a levy on all financial transactions using a modern technology. We can also look at using, utilizing this to, uh, you know, shift taxation to resource rentals like land value and, you know, the electromagnetic spectrum. But it requires, you know, proactive uh, thinking and, you know, forward uh, thinking on this whole issue. You know, how do we create, we cannot just marginalize people and let, let them die, or, you know, uh, without any income, without any hope of, uh, you know, working in, the, in their lives. We have to address this in a very, very intelligent way. What is that intelligent way? That, of course, is the million-dollar question. I can't disagree with anything the caller said. The problem is that it requires a mindset that will take a generation to change. Um, we, it, it again goes back to that uh, basic education. But um, just taking some of his thoughts about putting the nation to work and that very first caller who said... KGM also touched on yes, that, yeah. What KGM uh, said in particular struck a chord for me. I cannot agree with him that we must not use what's been invented in the West. That would be crazy to simply ignore the incredible technologies and resources that are available. So, for example, um, uh, fiber, uh, optical fiber ca- uh, cable that can bring high-speed access to the Internet uh, to every home if it was installed. So take that as an idea and an ideal for every household and every school uh, to have. How do you actually implement that? You've got to put the nation to work. We're already seeing thousands of people employed by these little companies that are wiring up suburb by suburb. Now, you make that a national plan, and we can learn from history there. How did the United States come out of the Great Depression of the 1920s and early 30s? Uh, It was called the Marshall Plan, where, in effect, they put the nation to work on massive uh, works projects. Uh, The Hoover Dam was built in that uh, process, Uh, the, the highways of the nation. Now we are coming into the information era where the highways are the digital highways. Those have to be built. It's a massive works program required, amongst many other things. 
Um, as uh, the last caller said, get people building houses, solve the housing problem, solve the connectivity problem. All of those can, re- can address the unemployment issue in ways that are not envisaged in what the World Economic Forum are talking about. We don't have to base our agenda on what's being mm. only on what's being discussed in Davos, but we can look at our own needs and set the agenda from there. And uh, we can address multiple problems. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. The caller who said that we must um, get rid of the sugar, the, the sugar plantations and um, uh, put down beehives, it doesn't have to be one or the other. We, mm. can, we can do uh, what needs to be required without getting rid of what's uh, already there. Uh, that, that was Kifilwe. And, and, and to Kifilwe's point, um, and, and, and to tie that in with what uh, Raj was saying, um, a loan shop, you know, Raj was talking about restructuring, um, but it's not just a restructuring of the economy. It's social, it's political systems. There has to be a complete restructuring of everything in order to fit in with this. Uh, and, and, and that, I guess, would tie in with what Kifilwe was saying about, you know, how this ultimately comes down to people and how this comes down um, to I don't want to say morality, uh, but to ethics, perhaps, and, and, and how things are done. At the moment in South Africa, there's a tremendous amount of political interference uh, in the form of the labor movement. Uh, And naturally, um, people who feel insecure in their jobs are going to take steps, political steps, to secure themselves. Uh, But in the process... um, what is required in the new economy is not a security of tenure in those jobs that are losing relevance. Uh, it's job mobility into those jobs uh, that are becoming crucial. And, and that mindset, um, avoiding the temptation around job security and embracing the idea of job mobility uh, that's a complete uh, change in mindset. Your second caller asked, what is industrialization? Mm. Uh, well, it's simply the, the use of alternatives to labor uh, to do the less attractive uh, labor work. Uh, now, that replacement uh, of people by machines creates tremendous amount of anxiety. And I think around the world... Um, The big discussion today is not so much how government can enable these new technologies and unleash their potential, but how governments can be held back from interfering. Uh, We see in South Africa, for example, the move toward digital television has been extensively um, uh, taken over by government officials, and they really have no special advantage uh, in the choice of of one set of box over another, uh, but there's this tremendous temptation toward political interference, and uh, I'm worried about that. I think that uh, that will really limit um, the advantages that we will all uh, experience. Uh, for example, uh, in in the 1800s or at the beginning of the 19th century, uh, the average person worked nearly 3,000 hours. A year. Today, the average person works around 1,600 hours a year. So there's been a tremendous evolution in favor of leisure uh, 
Uh, work has become more meaningful. It's become a social experience. Uh, it's become more productive through the use of machines. Uh, and as a result, uh, people are generally working in better conditions. It worries me that uh, we can limit that. I mean, Faith Popcorn, uh, who was Coca-Cola's um, brand strategist in the 1980s, she predicted the whole cocooning movement um, where people stay at home rather than go out. Uh, her big uh, prediction at the moment is that uh, because of new technologies, we will, within the next 15 or so years, have a three-day weekend. We will have so much leisure available to us because of how much more productive uh, machines uh, and automation and mechanization have made for us. So I'm worried about uh, government interference in that process because it's going to limit the advantages to everybody, especially the poor and unemployed. But isn't it inevitable if government's not going to lead, who will? Well, you know, um, it's not obvious to see um, how entrepreneurs uh, lead uh, the the economy, but uh, we see them by their fruits. Um, you know, if you look at South African uh, companies, uh, we're a small country company. Uh, we're a small economy compared to the rest of the world, but we've got one of the most uh, successful retail uh, systems. Uh, our our uh, shelves are stocked with the most incredible variety of goods and services. The prices are relatively good for such a small economy. Our logistics systems are very sophisticated and make extensive use of technology. Uh, even in agriculture, um, you know, we now have satellite systems that tell farmers when to plant, where to plant, when to uh, harvest, and, and so on. Um, People uh, in the ordinary course of uh, business uh, take the lead. And uh, the difference between uh, a bureaucrat and an entrepreneur making a decision is that the entrepreneur risks his or her capital. Uh, right. And if, if their venture fails, it fails. But with government, uh, they don't have that same um, venturing of capital and taking a risk. Um, so, so that may be so, but take the lead all the time. But doesn't that uh, defy? Uh, uh, doesn't that restrict it to the individual? Whereas, what happens with an entire country? What does the entire country do in order to prepare for a fourth industrial revolution? Who drives I mean, that? All I need, all I need to point to is, uh, for example, the minibus taxi industry uh, that emerged spontaneously in the late nineteen seventies. There was no leadership there. There was no uh, government edict to say this is what we will have. Um, but 80% uh, of people who uh, get to work in the morning and get home in the evening are transported by minibus taxis. Um, there was no common or central decision around that. Um, mm -hmm. It was simply the process of people um, making choices every day uh, that created those sorts of opportunities. All right. Um, um, and I mean, we, we could have a whole discussion on that particular matter, but, but we're not going to, at least not right now. Um, I want to hear from uh, Tando in the Eastern Cape in East London. Good morning. I've been holding on for a while. Uh, but anyway, finally I'm through. Thanks. 
Oh, certainly in a developing country like ours, all hands on deck. We need a government, we need entrepreneurs. But be that as it may, what I wanted to say is that when I came in late to, to this program, and then when I actually chose to learn who is the panel, and it's only this gentleman, of course, no, no disrespect to you, I, I thought with a heavy topic like this, you would have uh, people of the caliber of Dr. Naba, you know, Andile Naba, who has actually ushered a lot of South African Africans into the digital age, you know, when he started the the CDITP, the Center for Development of Telecommunications and Thingy in 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 Park Town, and of course he's now one of the biggest guys in in the sector. But one would have expected that he, that he'll be there, so as to actually because he has African solutions, global perspective and African solutions for exactly what you guys are on about. And also, of course, leapfrogging. I think South Africa, we stand, Africa as a whole, but limited to our country, is that we actually stand a better chance of leapfrogging. I heard the other guy mentioning that the U.S. still is on analog and we on digital, you know. So certainly we, 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 st- we step ahead in terms of what actually can be achieved in what can actually also be, be, uh, be, 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 be exercised and also uh, kind of uh, be... be, be uh, kind of uh, uh, experimental stages that we can actually achieve in terms of leapfrogging and catching up with the rest of the world. Of course, broadband being the factor and also uh, many other, uh, the infrastructure. Uh, certainly, in, in terms of that we can leapfrog, I don't think, I don't think we, 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 we stand a better chance than now. And also, of course, like the gentleman mentioned, that every school should have broadband. And I totally agree. If we can go nuclear, I'm sure we can go broadband. And, of course, priorities, I think they should actually be in order. And that is, of course, the digital divide being breached for everyone, not, not let it be for the elite only. Yeah. Thank you so much, uh, Tando in East London. Kosatu today uh, sends a tweet saying, it is pathetic to suggest that workers will say good morning to a robot as a manager. Um, Max Naidu says, a caller who says ignore everything from the West doesn't seem to know that 3D printing is here from pens, uh, food to cars, aircraft, all of that. Uh, Pumen Sabati says a fourth industrial revolution is just another buzzword by the elite like climate change to frustrate the progress of developing countries. Political Prophet says the fourth industrial revolution shouldn't be seen as replacing jobs, but as complementing productivity. And then some from the SMS line, this one from Colin says... um, it's all to do with brains and hardwiring. Sub-Saharan Africa stopped contributing to this industry uh, in the Stone Age in ways of technology, but a new Stone Age is coming soon, so says Colin. And then this one, unfortunately, South Africa is not a leader in industrialization and technology innovations. We only have uh, to take and use what's out there. Uh, Percival Sitole and Petratif says, if ESCOM can have load shedding again like they did in 2007, what plan B do they have in terms of you know this industrialization? Do we know how to move forward from there? Uh, Hossi says uh, that industrial revolution must be guided by our past because our past is the pathfinder to our destiny, to our economic liberation, not what the, uh, the multinational monopoly imposes on us. Our education system does not educate our students to be self-reliant. Nick and Hilton says if union and labor want to save jobs, then they have to halt their out 
outrage, uh, their outrageous demands and their militant behavior. Don, in Cape Town, the brilliant Professor uh, Dawkins has long maintained that human intelligence would become obsolete by 2043. This one says, uh, what consequences will the next generation technology have um, for how we remember things? And this one says, sub-Saharan Africa needs to have its first, second and third industrial revolution before it can have the fourth industrial revolution. And uh, the final one here, I'd be more worried about killer robots. Um, Autonomous uh, droids are actively being used to kill people. See CNN article, how to prepare for killer robots. So those some of the comments. Uh, Your response to that, Arthur? Everyone has their favorite uh, pet uh, topics, their pet threats, their pet experts, etc. Everyone has a a view, but what you can't argue with is that you need to create jobs on a massive scale. The only way to do that is to have the equivalent of a Marshall Plan. We can do that. That's number one. Number two is that we need to change our educational system. You can't argue with that. Our educational system is geared towards uh, the 19th century. We need an education system that's geared towards the 21st century in terms of skills, outcomes, uh, problem-solving, creativity, collaboration. And we need to start creating that uh, today. And the third is we need to get we need to kill off the digital divide. We need to throw massive resources at killing off the digital divide, um, making the resources of the digital era available uh, to all. And all of that sounds like disparate uh, targets and mm. uh, and and uh, intentions. But again, it can. Uh, be part of a national plan, something like the uh, NDP, uh, for example. The problem is we don't have the leadership for it. Yes, private enterprise is doing bits and pieces of all that. You find in schools there are centers of excellence. There are schools that are pursuing uh, these initiatives. You find small companies, a little company called Vumatel, digging up trenches in the suburbs to lay down fiber to the home because Telcom uh, wasn't um, uh, doing it. So they came in and took uh, over Telcom's role and suddenly woke up woke up Telcom who are now starting to do it uh, as well. Um, all of uh, those initiatives are happening on an individual uh, level and or, or rather within pockets of excellence and pockets of activity. We need leadership from the top driving that kind of thing on a national level. And um, you say we need uh, something of the scale of a, a Marshall Plan. Uh, the NDP, uh, do you think that the NDP is that plan? No, I think the NDP provides some of the vision for that plan, but it isn't actually that plan because um, it's a piece of paper. Mm. And, and and for me, the other uh, shortcoming with the NDP is the fact that, you know, um, as per reports last week from Davos, where it was said that uh, South African government is trying to sell uh, this uh, national development plan to the world, has it been sold to South Africans? I ask again. Do South Africans understand what the vision is that's mapped out in the NDP? Uh, but, Lone, your response to some of the comments? I must say your last uh, caller um, made a good point uh, about how to develop African solutions. Um, India uh, is embarking on a massive process of what they call frugal innovation, which is to say innovation that doesn't require expensive central servers and uh, expensive um, uh, cables and uh, software and and all of these things. Um, Frugal innovation in India 
involves, for example, charging batteries uh, on bicycles uh, while people uh, uh, ride around uh, to work and uh, to um, provide goods and services. Um, frugal innovation, I think, is the way to go in Africa in general and also in South Africa. Um, we need to think a bit broader than the uh, technologies uh, that have been developed in the West. Um, yes, uh, certainly one would like to be uh, rich in the way that Western countries and Western populations are rich. But uh, for our level of development, uh, we need a special kind of innovation, uh, which is innovation that is affordable and makes a difference in people's lives. Um, but I can tell you that uh, innovations in healthcare, uh, which have as their basis um, innovations in information technology, um, but healthcare innovations, uh, two big pharmaceutical companies announced over the weekend that they are developing uh, a vaccine for um, Ebola uh, that will be free or nearly free uh, to people in Africa. Um, these innovations are all part of this uh, fourth industrial revolution. And uh, just to um, end it off there, Luambo says uh, at least robots won't have sick leave, maternity leave or strike. And that ultimately would bring a production. And while others are questioning how much this would impact on the inequality that we're already grappling with as a nation. So beginning of many further discussions on this matter, I have no doubt. But thanks to our panel this morning, Arthur Goldstock, Managing Director of Worldwide Works and Editor-in-Chief at Gadget, and also Lone Sharp, Director of Economics at Profit Analytics. And thanks for your participation as always. Uh, appreciate your uh, participation and to the production team. We'll be back with you bright and early between 6 and 9 a.m. tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, SAFM continues and coming up next is the news with Kumbuzile Tabete.